welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. We're, we're, we're starting this recording in the middle of a conversation because I, we need to get one thing straight. We're about to start this episode. And what day is it? It's July 29th? 28th. 28th. And Evan just is kind of staring off into the space and he goes, I haven't golfed in a month and a half. Sorry, what? Yeah. So you haven't when, been here in a month and a half. What when was be- Father's Day? Was that the middle of June? S- June is that the something? 18th or something? So yeah, a month and 10 days I haven't played. I haven't even touched my clubs in, until Friday. What have you been... D- did you get lost to your own basement? Like, what's been going on? I, uh, this is going to sound like the most first world problems, but I was at, I had to go to cottages for like four weeks in a row. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, the people who have those cottages don't golf. So We always forget uh, when we switch the, uh, the button on Evan's back from winter Evan to summer Evan <laughs> that his behavior is different. He'll golf partway through fall Evan. Like, all the way up till October, Evan will, like, mention golf, beep, boop, beep. But then in the summertime, it's like cottage, 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 cottage. Oh, sorry, I can't. I have some work to do at the cottage. Yeah. That's a real thing he said once. He says, oh, I'm at the cottage. I still have a ton of work that to get was, done. Uh, that was for the draft. What work do you that have to get That was the draft. <laughs> that sucked. I worked like a dog that weekend. Were you working on the cottage or were you doing was, work at the I was cottage? on a two-four. I was building you... flower beds. It oh, sucked. that's actually a lot of work, yeah. Yeah, and the dirt was like a year old, so it hadn't been turned at all, and it was like yeah. stuck under a... Yeah, uh, it was awful. We're trying to build a podcast here, Evan. We've was, built a podcast. I was building foundation, flower bed foundation. You are our foundation. Without you, <clears throat> we still get a lot done, I think. <laughs> it honestly felt like I had never played golf before, and I shot an 83. It was that, great. 83? Cor- 83. Nice. What course is that? I played Rockway. Yeah, 83 at Rockway would be a fantastic day for me. Yeah. It was was on the front nine. He got an 83. I had... I've done that. I think I had a triple and, like, three doubles, so it could have been a lot better. I got... uh, I've never had a set of clubs. I've always just borrowed clubs. And then there was a really nice golf bag uh, on Kijiji slash Craigslist, for those of you Americans who don't know what Kijiji is. Um, And it was for, like, 40 bucks. And the bag was easily, like, a $200 bag. And it just came with a set of clubs. I'm like, yeah, all right. So I bought the bag, essentially, with the clubs, and my first... This is the last round of golf I played. I, uh, I shot in 89. That's good. On the f- It was a nine-hole course. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was bad. I had oh. the depressing realization as we started the cleanup of our basement. I, I moved my golf clubs to the garage, and I found the scorecard in there from the oh, last God. round I played. <laughs> five years ago. I burned those it was bad at, ones. It was at Glen Abbey. Oh, that's, that's the last a, one you played five I years shot ago. Ninety two. It was the round of my life. Tour length too, because we were. I was golfing there for the NHLPA golf tournament, and it was the day, the Monday after the Canadian Open, so whatever year that was. And so we played from tour length, and I played the round of my life and shot about twenty over. And now you have a child, and you'll never be able to golf Glen Abbey again. No, never, ever, ever, ever. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. It's the off season. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. I'm Glenn Abbey. <laughs> Mr. Abbey himself <laughs> yeah. is here. Uh, we spent a considerable amount of time talking about what we're going to talk about this episode, in that there's nothing to talk about. Though this is 
this is the peakest of off season right now. I think that we're in that like three week window where literally nothing will happen until one of the RFAs signs or something like that. And according to Bob McKenzie, none of those RFAs are signing before Labor Day. No, you know, as we start getting into our season previews and actu- have actual content, yeah, then the NHL will decide to give us more content. For context, I uh, I was like. I was rattling off things that have happened, and I said, oh, Dominic Turgeon signed, and Brad goes, no one cares about that. And I said, well, that sucks, because that's our biggest news story of the week. Yep. So that's what we're working with right now. Yeah, that's it. We're done. Uh, yeah, that was a- it. AHL depth. Thanks. This is where we're at. Thanks for si- uh, tuning into this episode of the Wing Trio podcast. We use that joke a lot. Yeah. Ending the episode early. It's like our go-to at least every July and August episode every year since we've started. We're not due for new con like off like peak off season. I'm barely touching Twitter. I can see just like my followers dwindling. I'm like I don't care. I need to just tune out. Oh man, another thing, another conversation we had beforehand, which was funny. I was talking about how Mel and I want to go on a cruise in November for my birthday, and I was like, cruises aren't typically my thing like that's not the way i love to travel but i'm really down right now for just like a shut your brain off get pay for the convenience kind of vacation and brad goes i will be the opposite of shut your brain off shut my brain off in november i'm like why and brad was like november i will not be able to sit still and i was like why i don't understand and brad's like ryan and i was like oh you're having a baby i forgot you're having a second child yeah 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 yeah." and he's due in November. Yeah, we live in different worlds. <laughs> Are you going to tell us the name? We've got it down to two names right now, and we can't agree on which you, one to go with. You guys want one, and she you, wants one, I want the other. Can you tell us? No. Please? Like, off air, I'll tell you guys. But come on, let's put it to the fan vote. Oh, no, no. If it's the fan vote, it, it's very heavily going to go in my favor. It's Crystal. Henrik. It's Henrik. I know it's Henrik. It might be. I don't know. I'm not going to see confirmation nor denial out of respect for Crystal. But I beg you to reconsider and put it to a fan vote. <laughs> Crystal, Even once I find out, I'm going to put it on Twitter. <laughs> Crystal actually said, let's go on Facebook and like do a vote for it like as a joke. And I'm like, no, 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 no. She's into Be- it. No, because the only – here's why. The only people who comment on her stuff on Facebook are her friends. And the only people that comment on my stuff on Facebook are her friends. <laughs> so I'm like, let's go throw it on Twitter. She's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's, I'm like, yeah, but I got, we got way more votes coming through Twitter. And so we couldn't even agree where to post a poll. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> what you should do is text it to, uh, myself and Evan right now. Like literally as we're recording the two options, okay. we will send it to our respective partners and we'll see what Mel and Kat say. Okay. Let's see if they get For back what? To- the two names like oh. yeah yeah which they prefer <clears throat> and then hopefully by the end of this episode we'll have an answer for you as to okay here i'm i'm te- i'm putting the options in the, the group, group chat, chat right now okay. okay this is this is the premium content that we we this is off season content oh boys. it is so obvious which one you guys have to pick i know but she doesn't agree <laughs> no 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 <laughs> i don't know i'm bad with picking stuff like that yeah, so are we, apparently. It, it's funny, too, because when we had Mika, Mika was literally the first name we thought of for boy or girl, and we ran with it. We had, like, no debate on a girl's name there. Then we found out it was a girl, no problem. Never did agree on a boy's name, and now that we know it's a boy, we still... We've had we've had almost four years to agree on a boy's name, and we haven't. I This has got to be... How against your option is she? Not very. 
how against her option are you? Not very. That's the problem, because we don't really hate either option. That's why we've got it down to two. But we're pretty steadfast on, no, this is our favorite. And we ask Mika every day, and she just flip-flops. No, on, don't like, ask Mika. Oh, she flip-flops on a daily basis. It's hilarious. <laughs> she she flip-flops, and she's also manipulative. She's a true wild card. She's chaotic. She's chaotic neutral. <laughs> Mika truly is the embodiment of, of chaotic neutral. You're something <laughs> off the chart, which I don't want to try to quantify or qualify, but Mika truly is chaotic neutral. Yeah. For the record, currently, as as it stands, after the last unofficial vote, she's on my side. So I'm, I'm going to try and ride this wave for as long as I can. Okay. So I've messaged Mel. We're going to see, we're just going to say, you know. Mel prefers Brad's option or Crystal's option. Yep. Now, for what it's worth, almost every guy we've asked has agreed with me. Almost every girl we've asked has agreed with Crystal. Oh, so. God. <laughs> I've noticed a very definitive trend. I Now, given that it's a boy, I think the guy vote should carry more, honestly. No, I think it's the fact that it's an objectively better name. It is a better name. I, I want, I don't, everybody listening right now is like, we need to know the options. I know. You guys really need to, I think you need to get Crystal's permission so we can talk about this on air. But I am, and, and Crystal's new idea. She's like, let's just wait until he's born. Let's look at him and then make up her mind. I'm like, no, 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 no. That is a level of uncertainty I can't go into that day with. No. You, you got, like, she'll, you, you'll both be full of emotions and hormones that your bodies are not used to I mean, handling. I like, you go with your name. She's like, no, we'll go with yours. And then it's just the same goddamn problem. Also, she'll have the leverage because she just gave birth to your exactly. child. Exactly. That's yeah. an advantage I'm not going to have. No, you can't. No. <laughs> uh, Dominic Turgeon signed a one-year deal with the Detroit Red Wings. Um, yeah, like Brad mentioned, this isn't a... It's not moving moving mountains here. Um, he It's a depth signing. There is a world where Dominic Turgeon could play on the fourth line on an NHL team, uh, but not quite an NHL team with like six fourth liners on it. Um, and thus, his spot is currently taken by Christopher N., uh, De La Rose. Abdelkader, Helm, Nielsen. Uh, who else? Helm, again. Uh, you know, Glenn Denning, Rasmussen will probably be in a bottom six role if he plays up there. There's not really room for Turgeon unless there's an injury. I like Dominic Turgeon. I think he's fine enough. And if he was a fourth liner on this team, I'd be, you know, happy with it. Or I wouldn't be losing sleep over it. But really what this is, is AHL depth. He's an effective AHLer. It's good news, especially for the amount of development that is going to need to happen in the AHL this year. I wish there was more to say about it. Because then we'd have more Red Wings news. He's still young, so it's good to have players like that in the AHL. Yeah. Uh, in a world where the Red Wings were going to be rid of like the abdicator contract soon, or maybe like the Helm contract, like that's a re- that would be a really advantageous thing um, to have someone like that as depth. Because those guys do often get hurt, and you need someone to be able to call up. But yeah. And let's not forget the bottom six of the Red Wings in terms of age is ancient, so there will be injuries. He likely will see a call-up at some point this year, so cool. Something completely unrelated that I want to bring up. I think we flushed that entire topic out, so you can just move on, Ryan. Awesome. Um, So it came out that Dave Tippett was the one to nix the Seattle Kraken team name, right? Has that been confirmed? Hashtag confirmed? Yeah, confirmed enough for off-season content. Okay, Our our threshold for reporting is much lower now. Evan reports something that we need to talk about. (laughs) Um... Can Seattle Kraken come back on board now? Please. Please. They're going to go with the Sockeye, or Sockeyes. I don't know how it's pluralized. It's going to be 
a red and teal. No, God. Isn't it pink-ish? Yeah, I've seen it. I think it's actually faded more and more into red over time. Oh, no. It started off as, like, pink and then salmon and then now, like, a lighter red. It's got to be green. Everything in Seattle is green. The whole theme of Seattle sports, the whole theme of everything Seattle is green, right down to Starbucks. Seattle Silver Sockeye. No. Yeah, come on. Is it Golden Knights, Silver Sockeye? Everyone gets a color. Green Sockeye. Go with the color scheme. (laughs) Green Sockeye. Salmon Sockeye. Salmon is the color, not the descriptor of the fish. Just to confuse everybody. Yeah, just kind of lean into it. The salmon sockeye. So what, they're fishes? No, they're just a fish. But what? Fishes or fish? Which plural do you guys go for? Fish. All right. Yeah. Um, The biggest injustice in hockey history is that we still... I'm still never going to let this go, is that we didn't get the Las Vegas Flamingos. Those Seattle Flamingos? I'd be down for it. If they use the pink, white, and black color scheme, hell yeah, I would. I thought we have already established that the premier choice for this team was the Rain City Bitch Pigeons. Oh, they can't use it. Yeah, it's trademarked. That's what I named my ball hockey team. Someone okay. made t-shirts on, and sold them on uh, Teespring. Right away, and they sold a lot. Oh, uh, we there's a sale on Teespring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I did see that, and we're never letting Ryan come up with a promo code again. That wasn't my cr- promo code. What? No, Teespring is running the promo. Oh. So usually lame. when we run promotions, here's a little behind the scenes as to how things on this podcast work. So usually when we run promotions, we cover the cost. Um, and whatever... Like, we deduct comes out of our commission from sales through Teespring. But this was a sale Teespring-wide that said they're covering the cost. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, I didn't. Hey, perfect timing to buy a t-shirt. Get your sale. We get max profit. Everybody wins. Yeah. Uh, go to wingwheelpodcast.com <laughs> and go to the support us tab, and then you can find the link to our Teespring store there. And if anybody watched the pre-show video, you know we're poor. We need this. Please buy shirts. We're very poor. <laughs> Um, Use the code DOGFARTS10 for 10% off. For 10% more. (laughs) Use the code MYUNDIES for 0% off no products online. Are we a knockoff of a knockoff now? Oh, yeah. I didn't want to say the actual company name because I think there's actually a chance they could sponsor us at some point. (laughs) So I don't want to lean into it too quickly. This really is. We got. When are we just going to pull a spit and chick list and start selling sex products on here? Is that what they do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, you have. I, I don't listen to them like every episode, but I listen to them often enough. And yeah, they've got like stuff that makes you last longer in bed and condoms. And oh, that's so. Hey, funny. there's a stag shop nearby. Where I can just go stop in on my way home. Stag shop is next to the only uh, pizza in Waterloo that I respect. Bianca's. Bianca's. Pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're not supposed to say names on the. Ah, uh, Bianca's will never sponsor us. Yeah, uh, we can't. You imagine that'd be great. The. Pizza in Windsor is just so much phenomenally better than here, and I, w- I grew up so privileged, and I never knew it. It's because you're cl- close to the one of the most obese countries in the world. Absolutely. And also, we get gray market cheese. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, which really helps a lot. Uh, Calgary struck a new arena deal. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. We forgot about that. Yeah. Hey, yeah. city of Calgary residents, you have $275 million to pay. Yeah. So, well, it's a, a heartwarming tale of a city banding together to donate to a billionaire. So, I think... Is that a Beaverton article? Yes, it was. Nice. Stop name-dropping things that don't <laughs> pertain to us. Um, okay. I think it was the same deal as what they had before that the city said no but now the city gets event revenue. The city owns the arena. Owns the arena. And they get event revenue, but they don't get 
revenue from the games. Right. It's other things. I could be. I could have that wrong. It was. They had an infographic out, but it was wildly confusing and poorly put together because I think they did it at the eleventh hour. The key question here is: the roof shaped like a saddle? No, I don't think they'll be so. My buddy who lives in Calgary, who's been to a bunch of games, says the saddle dome is a shithole. So. Oh, after the um, flood, it's been like putting lipstick on a pig. Yeah. So he said it's more than due. Okay, but here's the thing: Joe Louis Arena was a shithole, but it was our shithole. It was our barn. I don't know. So Calgary fans probably feel the same way about the Saddle Dome. Maybe. Okay, here's the thing. We're talking about... This is a Red Wings podcast, and we're talking about publicly owned versus privately owned arenas. This is a sensitive topic. Yes, the... the, I believe it was the state of Michigan and the city of Detroit, or just the state of Michigan. Anyways, there's public funds that went into building the LCA and the district around it. A lot of promises and a lot of developments still to be fulfilled in terms of what's going to go in around it. I haven't seen much of a district. Kind of just parking lots. Hey, there's that one house that's worth like $5 million, so they're doing great. Um, The thing is, you know, the Illages did pay off their their bonds and their their loans exceptionally early. So it's not like, you know, they stiffed the city or anyone after the deal was made. Um, And it is a beautiful arena, and it has brought... You know the Pistons back into town, and I genuinely do think it's done good things for downtown Detroit. But there's still that notion of like the only thing holding ownership groups who make all these promises and put out all these beautiful renderings and everything to to do so afterwards is basically goodwill because there's loopholes and ways out of these things that are, you know, they 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 make a minimum ful- fulfillment or, or I mean a minimum threshold, and all of a sudden they can just back off and stop building anything other than parking lots or they take down, you know, entire neighborhoods full of homes in L.A., and all of a sudden the Inglewood is is leveled, but they just have uh, an arena and a parking lot, but no low-income housing as they promised, or there wasn't enough like permanent jobs that were that were promised. It's all very, I don't know. It's the part of the business that I'm not very fond of. I think in general, as a good starter, public funds towards privately owned arenas is a bad call. Obviously, um, I think especially certain places in North America that could definitely use the help. There's certainly less and less cities who are willing to front the costs of infrastructure such as an arena. Yeah. Maybe when the NHL was at 15 teams or there were less uh, NBA teams, there's there's cities that are willing to do it because they don't have professional sports. Yeah. But now North America is heavily saturated with, with, with leagues and like even the MLS, like every city seems to be getting a team, so That's it seems less and less in the public interest to to fund these mega arenas for billion dollar sports teams. Yeah, like the owning a sports team is no longer a millionaire's game. It's oh a, God, no. it's a billionaire's game. When it was a millionaire's game, they were struggling to you know pay their their operational costs and make a ton of money because they didn't have the capital to put into it. Now that billionaires have taken on the opportunity to make a ton of money from sports teams, there's no excuse anymore. Like, if you're a billionaire, you have to be willing to make this kind of capital investment. It's part of owning a team. <laughs> Legitimately. You need somewhere to play, and you need to, like, you want to be able to pay your players, too. Like, yeah. If it's a corporation that owns it, like MLSE or I think Comcast Oh, God. Owns. That's, they should be building the arenas on their own money for the. They should be building other teams' arenas with their own money. 
and there's a lot of costs that go into building an arena. Say it's completely privately funded, right? Like right now, I think Balmer is proposing one in Englewood and in, in uh, the LA region, so the uh, Clippers don't have to play with the Lakers anymore. And he's it's proposed to be completely privately funded, and all these great things like jobs, and he's going to build low-income housing and like restaurants and things around and you still have to think of like, that's going to take away people's homes. That's going to completely remap the city's infrastructure. There's so much to go into roads and, and pipelines and sewers and traffic flow and everything that there's caught co- the, the, the city pays the price no matter what. I also heard something very, or I read something very interesting. Um, I can't remember the author's name, but I will get back to that. Um, it doesn't really make sense when arenas promise, yeah, we're going to build this amazing district like outside and around the arena with all these like cool restaurants and like great new bars and you know awesome spots to shop. If you're building an arena, if Brad, if you're building an arena and your arena is going to have everything inside it, it's essentially going to be a mega mall, which is what these arenas are. Are you going to want to get people to pay seven dollars for a great craft beer, you know, fifty yards away from your front door? Or do you want to get them in your front door to pay $11 for your Molson Canadian? It depends. Do you own everything outside of the arena? No, they won't. That's the thing. They'll 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 commit to its infrastructure. Yeah, so why would they build someone else's building? And they might collect rent on those places, but they won't own the restaurant. <laughs> Unless they do. <laughs> if but they're collecting a very handsome rent on it, then it's a win for them that's, either way. In L.A., that's worth oh, it. Yeah. But if you're in somewhere like Winnipeg... <laughs> Winnipeg and no airport having a city. I'll have you. I'll yeah, have you know. does you know the square the dollar per square footage is probably a lot lower. Does it? Does the cost benefit analysis really work out in your favor? Probably not. I don't know. It's all. Calgary's it, in an arena, and the city's fun and residents are funding for half of it. Okay, uh, that's a very glum topic, and it's still very relevant to the city of Detroit. I'm not making any accusations or anything I, I think that's the district Detroit is still very much a work in progress and I'm still hopeful that it's going to pan out to be something great like the villages have done a lot of great things for Detroit it would be a real shame if they didn't but and I but I can't see them not no. they've always been great so um, um and it genuinely like I'm always I've always been the biggest defender of the city of Detroit and downtown Detroit especially I love I love 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 downtown Detroit and it's only gotten better since the LCA so um update Mel's first impressions, so different. I like them both. And then I said, okay, gun to your head, which would you pick? And she said, your option. Yes. And then I said, at a girl, Mel. I said, yay. And she said, I know some shitty other name. Other name. Perfect. Because so, I do too. That's <laughs> as do I. It's kind of like. It's a it's a it's a touch on the greaser name side of things. It's a little bit like a guy who punched you in the ribs while the teacher wasn't looking at high school name. You know, a little bit, a little bit. I will feel real bad if that's the name you guys pick. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Uh, all right, so we're wildly off track. Oh, uh, let's do. There's no signings. No. Oh, we uh, we made a mistake when we talked about the, ow, uh, Toronto deal, how they essentially just paid money for the fourth round pick. That's not necessarily true. We weren't forgetting the uh, cap implications of getting as close as they could to the salary cap to maximize their LTIR benefit, which was done in anticipation of the Marner contract running into the season, which is exactly mm. why they made that kind of move. So very smart move, actually, by Dubas there. And that's that conversation. Can one of the RFAs please do something? Did you F- talk about the Lucic trade? Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Troop signing? 
Yep. Yep. Uh, that's all I got. Oh, yeah. I, I like this. This was fun. I, was gonna say, uh, I like how he brings up the trade. Did you ever then... say, uh, did you guys talk about how Panarin kind of went against Putin and pals? No, no that's we f- didn't. Yeah, that's the first Russian who's been like actively outspoken. So he's never going back oh, to Russia. Oh, <laughs> he's not going back. No. No. Well, he could. No, he's too high profile. He's He's got a big enough clout that if he goes back to Russia and anything happens to him, the rest of the world will be like, okay, w- wait. What? No, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's big enough profile that would cause international stir to the point where people will do things. No, I don't think this is like an, a Turkey Enos Cantor situation, but... I don't know that situation. Oh, yeah. Enos Cantor is like... He's afraid to even leave the States because the Turkish government has been very aggressive. Like, they have warrants out for his arrest, and he's afraid there's a hit put out on him. Like, oh, cool. He legitimately was nervous about traveling to Canada to play... I forget who Cantor even plays who for. Oh, this is an athlete. Oh yeah, he's an NBA player. Oh. Um, he plays for the, did, uh, the he's Celtics. P- he's played for a lot of teams. Yeah. Lately. Anyways, I think there was a chance they were going to play the Raptors, and he was worried about potentially playing that series because he couldn't get guarantees from the Canadian government that he would have uh, absolute protection from, you know, anything bad happening to him or even extradition from Canada. I think to I do remember this actually. Yeah. Because he speaks out against. Uh, Erdogan, the leader in Turkey. You know. So yeah, Artemi, good thing you went to an interesting city because you should <laughs> never leave. <laughs> no, I don't think it's the same situation. No, it's it's not. It's yeah, yeah. It, like that's, I think that's like pretty. It was a pretty big surprise because what everyone was exposed to in terms of Russians coming over is at the very most they said nothing, but a lot of them like spoke out in support of it. Like Datsuk wasn't exactly outspoken, but anytime he was asked, he was supportive of the Russian government. Um, Ovechkin started a youth for Putin club, yeah. like that. Like that was the average, the norm. And so when Panarin said it, that was actually pretty surprising. We don't do politics. We couldn't even do Russian politics. So that's as much as we'll dive into it. But yeah, yeah we don't want to be on any Ryan Whitney lists here, where we're not allowed. <laughs> no, no, we don't make enough sponsorship money to for, to, for that to be worth it <laughs> yet, yet. We should probably warn any potential sponsors about hits out on us. I think the would that give us more clout or less clout? More clout for sure. Yeah, <laughs> definitely more clout. So, uh, what countries do we need to turn on here? Oh, the city of Breslau. <laughs> um, we we were careful. That's actually a city in Poland. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Oh, that's a city where Brad technically town where Brad technically lives. It's an attaché of. <laughs> Kitchener, Ontario. Yes. We, uh, we Remember, we've established this before. We actually Google it. We are the biggest thing to happen in Breslau. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sad. Um, we, we've been doing our Red Wings profiles, either our player profiles or our prospect profiles. And here's the thing. Uh, forget how many we've done or who we've done. And so if we're doing a repeat, please tell us. But also just enjoy the content because we're doing what we can. Yep. We're going to start with the pr- player profile. Um, and we're going to talk about in context of their contract, where they are in their career, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to start with Mike Green uh, today. Start with. We've been doing these for months. Right? Yeah, yeah. We're going to do, we're going to, today's first profile is going to be a, a current player profile, which is Mike Green. He's on the last year of a two year extension at $5.375 million per year. Uh, he's currently 33 years old. Um, he's being held together with some wood glue and scotch tape. Um, He'll turn 34 just at the beginning of the season. So, um, realistically, one of the Red Wings' best defensemen. 
Um, you know, I'm going to state the obvious here. That's not ideal. I don't think Mike Green's a bad defenseman at this point in his career, but he definitely shouldn't be playing top-line minutes. That being said, he's going to be played with Hronik this year, yeah? No, absolutely not. He'll probably be playing with uh, Nimit or DeKaiser. The, the top four is pretty well set, depending on what you read. Um, the right side will be Hironic and Green. The left side will be DeKaiser and Nemit. Are we going DeKaiser Hironic? Yeah. Oh, DeKaiser Hironic. They were. That was a fantastic. That's what pairing. it was. Yeah. The, the pairing was escaping my head. That was that was a really fantastic pairing for Detroit down the stretch last year. So it makes sense to keep them as the top pair and then put Green and Nemeth on the second pair. Yeah. Um, here's the thing about Mike Green's plays. He's He's essentially, he was a more complete player earlier in his career, and as he's kind of faded out, certain things have drifted away, but he's still retained a lot of the things that made him special. Ability to work on a power play, smart decisions offensively. He's not a huge goal scorer anymore, but he has that offensive mind for the game. He's the oldest 33-year-old of all time. Yeah, he definitely plays like he's older than 33. I mean, he's practically 34 by the time the season starts, but it still is... If he didn't get, if he didn't, have, wasn't so prone to injuries, what could have been his career? Man, he, he, looking at him here, I was just pulling up his stats on HockeyDB. He is remarkably consistent. He has been season by season with like one or two outliers since 2010, been almost married to half a point per game. Yeah, it's and that's, staggeringly consistent. That's fine. Like he put up what 26 points in half a season last year. Yeah, that this was actually like points per game, his best statistical season in like four or five years. Now keep in mind he's getting every offensive zone start, every power play start for the Red Wings, and so you would hope that he's still able to convert on that. And he he can and he does. So again, he's not one of the guys where I'm saying I'm not a, like I'm not a fan of his contract and is dragging down his, the team. Um, I think. I wish there was better players ahead of him so they could shelter his minutes a little bit more, but he's he's proven to be useful, and so I don't think he'll be a problem. Best case scenario for Mike Green this year, they shelter his minutes, they play him with someone who's a little bit more accountable defensively so he doesn't get burned so much. Hello, Patrick Namath. Um, he's able to put out half point per game or a similar clip. I think even a third of a point per game, but a really good power play effectiveness. He'll be useful to the team. And he'll be a potentially tradable asset. Yes, because his no trade clause expires in February. Yeah. So, um, I this is this will be the third or fourth time we've done this dance with Mike Green. You're yeah. talking about potentially trading him. So, and this time we can yet we can refrain from yelling at the GM for not trading him before February because he can't. Yes. So he's not he he's not in my mind a potential first round pick asset anymore. There was the opportunity for that with the funny markets that we've had the past few years, but I think that that window is gone and teams are becoming a little bit wiser as to how they want to spend those first round picks. Um, That being said, this league gets a little wacky at times, and I think it's in a transition period as so many teams are open to going for it that someone might overpay. I I think if Mike Green can put out a good year, get sheltered minutes in terms of, you know, put him with someone who's accountable defensively, and don't put him into too many defensive zone starts, um, and then trade him for a third round pick or better. That is a fantastic ideal year for. for oh, he's, Green. he'll be worth if he just maintains his course. He's worth a second. There's no way around that. He's worth more than Nick Jensen. Thirty-four years old. 
for half a season? Because yeah. remember, Jensen was essentially bought as a rental and then signed the extension with Washington. You'll be buying 34-year-old Mike Green for four months. Yeah. Now, here's let's say this. Mike Green has a poor season or a season that's not so remarkable where anyone wants to trade for him. Um, finishes out the year. Finishes out his contract with Detroit. Do you see him as a potential bring back for another year or two extension? It all depends on what happens next year because, again, as much as we're proponents of let's get the youth in there, Daly's expiring, um, Green's Erickson expiring. expiring, Green's expiring. Like, DeKaiser might be the only veteran back. You, Madison you, Bowie's expiring. Yeah, you can't – DeKaiser cannot be your only vet. So no. I don't think De- Green would be very high on my list of veteran defensemen I would like them to bring in. I'd much rather – them take a swing at a Tory Krug, a Roman Yossi, et cetera, et cetera, um, versus a Mike Green. But if Mike Green's the best option of players who's willing to play for you, yeah, you sign him to another one or two year deal. If Green finishes out the year, no trade, and let's say Chalosky and Hronik both have great years and cement themselves as Hronik is a, all but a given really at this point, but Chalosky especially cements himself uh, as a permanent Red Wing the year thereafter. Um, I would sooner let, depending on how Kasky and Lindstrom do in their development, I would sooner let Green walk. Well, that's going to be the question, because Kasky's not young. No. So we will know by the end of this year if he's going to be a fixture or not. If he comes in and he dominates Grand Rapids or makes the Red Wings out of training camp, well, he's at an age where then, yeah, you can let you can comfortably let Green walk, because this isn't like a 20-year-old walking into the NHL. Um Lindstrom, even if he has a good year and progresses in Grand Rapids like we hope, he's a rookie. He doesn't factor into the green decision in my mind. Kasky would be the wild card there because you got to think of what Detroit's right side is going to look like next year. The only, like, because obviously we know this upcoming season, but going into the season beyond that, the only guy we can comfortably pencil in on the right side of that Red Wings blue line is Hronik. Yeah. So... Even if Lindstrom and Kasky both have huge years, Hronik being the most veteran player on that side, is that something you're comfortable with when you're looking down the other side and it's DeKaiser, Chalosky, and McIsaac? Like, I don't know. Like, it's it's going to get very young very fast to where we're going to have the opposite argument we've been having for the last decade is, ah, this might be too young. We need to get someone there. Oh, sorry. Chalosky, Nemeth, and DeKaiser. The left side is set, but the right side is wide open. Vocally disagrees with you. Yeah, my uh, dogs are a little better trained than this. They did. I'll be right back. Uh, for those of you who pick up on the uh, the barks and the rattles above us in the background, uh, if you think, "Wow, one of Brad's dogs got a lot bigger and louder," uh, and they younger. did. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's babysitting a third dog right now. Um, I think for me with Mike Green is everything comes down to his health. Yeah, if he stays healthy for the majority of the season, he. You've clearly seen th- through his historical stats, you know, he'll be a half a point guy. If he's healthy the entire year up to the trade deadline, he becomes a potential asset for playoff level teams. If he's not healthy, um, he's, his value starts sliding, obviously. Um, and I think Mike Green's an excellent player to have as a depth guy going forward with, with a young core. Um, it just obviously depends on term and dollar amount. That's like it's a really good point about his health because it's it's kind of a lose lose because we're gonna hear the health narrative no matter what. Say he gets injured early on, he comes back a third of the way through the season, plays whatever, and then at the trade deadline, teams are skittish because he's hurt or he was hurt. Let's say he doesn't get hurt for all the way through February, 
and then teams are going to be skittish because they're like, well, this is usually around the time of year he gets hurt, and he does not have the resilience to make it through a full season, so we know he's practically due at this point. The thing is, he'll jump into the playoff teams who don't need him to play top-line minutes. Yeah. He'll be a power play specialist. He'll play minimum minutes. Um, but I think it also depends on what other teams are sellers at the, at the, at the deadline. So that'll kind of start the dance of what is a Mike Green worth on uh, at the trade deadline. It'll be an interesting year. I, I think we shouldn't prop up our hopes too much. Um, the Red Wings aren't exactly in an ideal position where they have the assets or personnel to put ahead of Green to shelter his minutes. <laughs> if he's having a one uh, just a hell of a year, I would lean towards getting something of value at the trade deadline. If he's not, I'm completely okay with him hanging around for a while. Yeah, if he if the good thing we've seen about Eisman, we've talked about this the past couple episodes, is he's there's very few things he he even has the opportunity to change right now. But one thing he has done extremely well that's in his controls, he hasn't been handing out term. Any contract has been one or two years, pretty much, and that's exactly what he needs to be doing, which is fantastic. So if if Green comes back, seeing how a lot of the defensive core is still ways behind, I mean. You know, you look past the current wave of Chalosky and Hronik, more outsiders at least two years out. That's fine. That being said, lots can change. With our luck, Mike Green's going to, you know, do absolutely nothing, get nothing at the trade deadline, and then after the trade deadline, put up like a 40 points in 20 games, and that'll be the end of it. Yep. Uh, and then we'll pay him too much for too long, and the cycle are. continues. Those days are behind us. Those days are behind us, Brad. Did you guys hear uh, Steve Eisman's comments about how the the captain, the decision to as to who gets the C is completely up to Mike Blasio or Jeff Blasio? Oh no! <laughs> we're getting, uh, I told you we're, it's gonna be applicator. Justin Applicator is the captain. <laughs> There's no way nobody in the organization no. isn't gonna be like, guys. Just so we're aware, here's what social media has looked like for the past six months. There, you're better to go no captain than give anybody but Larkin the C. I think I think that was GM speak from Eisenman. I don't think he would have let it not be Larkin. But man, oh my that's, god, that's a big change. Like this is an original six team where being a captain is an absolute honor and and puts you in the same pedestal as some of the all time greats in hockey. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> you can't like, be throwing not. around C's like it's. I think they're legitimately right now. I think they're legitimately waiting for official confirmation on the Cronwall decision before doing it. But Detroit can't be that team that just like because Detroit's not the team that's ever gone with short-term captains. Nope, I agree. But I certainly think that they would consider it. Like th- if you were going to give Cronwall the seat, this season that just passed was the one to do it. Right, and I, I think there's no way they give Cronwall the seat, but they would prefer to do it while there isn't like an aging vet from the previous core still there. Just out of respect. Why does it have to be somebody who's on their way out? Like, what? Cronwell has been the best assistant captain he could have possibly been. I don't think he's at the level or the 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 illustriousness to have the captaincy. And I think Larkin's the perfect candidate at this point. If there's, I don't see a world if they don't give it to Larkin. I just think there's there's two factors. One, Cronwell, they want to make that they want to settle that first. But more importantly, they want to get as close to the season as possible to generate hype. 
You're, yeah, as they should. They, you, why announce it now? No, That's useless to you. I, I agree with that. But September 15th, people forget. And by October, it's not even a thought. But people are going to want to go see Larkin step on the ice for the, uh, for the first time with the C on his jersey. You think it happens before the first game of the year? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it would. It, I wouldn't, though, because my favorite... I What was it? Uh, after Tampa Bay, and this was an Iserman team. Uh, after Tampa Bay traded St. Louis, remember when Stamkos just skated out and warm-up with it on? Nobody, there was no announcement, nothing. He just popped on the oh, ice really? with the C. They're going to do that for the whole I want the, I want that to happen above all else. And I don't even want... Like, your captain. Yeah. I don't even want Larkin... Justin Applicator. <laughs> I don't even want Larkin to skate out to warm up with the C. I want him to literally switch jerseys before the game starts. I think our tickets are near an aisle for the home opener. So we'll we'll have easy access to the exits. Just <laughs> throw up in the aisle. Yeah. No, I, I think they'll do it after preseason before the first game of the year. It would be crazy if he comes out in a warm-up yeah. with, with no letter, and all of a sudden when they do the opening announcement lineup and he comes out with yeah, a, can, the C on. Because you know how they do those player intros? Could you imagine just... You're every, welcome. Because they go in order, always go in order of the number, but they always save the assistants and captains for last, right? Yeah. So then they parade out the assistants, out comes Adel Cater, out comes Nielsen, and then everybody's like, but wait... Wise luck, and then and your captain, Dill, and he comes out with the C. The place would lose it. I oh. that that moment you're, alone. You're welcome, tingles. Detroit Red Wings. You are welcome. Tingles. That moment alone would be worth the what near two game we spent on tickets for that game. So, some intern right now is going. <laughs> Damn it, that was my idea. I re- I was just supposed to smash my fist on this table, but this is a glass table, and I would yes, been we've s- upgraded. So sad. Uh, Joe Valeno. We've talked so much about Joe Valeno. Speaking of future Red Wings captains. Yep. No. <laughs> stop it. Uh, we, I'm almost positive we've done a prospect profile on Joe Valeno, but we're going to talk a little bit more about where he's been, what he was when they drafted him, what he's worked on this past year, what to expect this upcoming year. I expect nothing short of 25 goals in Detroit. <laughs> is what most of Twitter has been saying. Yes. I think the problem is every time we talk about a prospect, we end up saying, but it all depends on what veterans we bring back mm-hmm. that's what it always feels like so and that's why i don't remember who we've talked about you know what's funny though i don't even think that matters this year i think there's the red wings offense is so wide open outside of i'll say nine spots going into this year this is on valeno if he has a massive ca- uh camp he'll be on the team if he yeah. doesn't now again Trey is still the organization you blow us out of the water or you're going to grand rapids very good is not gonna put you on the team i agree in this case though He's no, I, I do too. He's 19 years old. If he's not the best player in camp and like a bona fide, like we're going to play this guy as our 3C and it's going to be a very good thing, then he should start in Grand Rapids. And you know what? That would open up, that would make it so much easier. Where Zadina had a poor camp, they could start him in Grand Rapids as well. Bring him up together. I, I, I'm very much in favor of playing Zadina as close to 82 games as possible in the NHL this year, but depending on how they perform. Now, here's a question. Now, this isn't necessarily a Valeno-specific question. It has more implications for Zadina. Do you think the organization will put any consideration if, let's say, Valeno comes in and has that camp? He's the best player. You can't keep him off this team, but Zadina's is lukewarm. Can you send Zadina to Grand Rapids keep Valeno up, 
Because how bad of a look would that be for Zadina if the guy who has picked 24 picks after him makes a team and he doesn't? I, that's always going to be a conversation, so I don't want to say it doesn't matter. Um, in the grand scheme of things, that kind of stuff happens all the time. Like Your draft order and draft ranking goes out the window the moment the, pit, the draft ends. Like That stops matter. It should. It should. People but, are still going to talk about it. Yeah. Like, three meatheads on a podcast. Um, but I think that if the, the Red Wings keep Valeno up, that would actually, or at least in my mind, it should encourage them to bring up Zadina. Unless he has a completely tragic, horrendous camp where he doesn't do anything, you know, completely out of shape or just like no effort. Mind you, I uh, I don't know if you guys have seen Zadina's Instagram lately. He is ripped right now. Uh, we had a question a while back about maybe he was out of shape. No, 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 no. He's been putting work in. Um, He's fine. Yeah. Then you could send him down, but... I think if he even has a halfway decent camp and Valeno blows him out of the water, you do not pass up the opportunity to help Zadina along with another youngster who plays center and put them together, or at least put them on the lineup together. I, I think that'll do a lot. Two 20-year-olds two 20 on... Uh, sorry, sub-20-year-olds on the same line in the NHL? Ryan, you are aware who our coach is, right? I, yeah, I understand that, but think <laughs> of like... five minutes a night. This isn't, like, this isn't a team that's going to be, you know, uh, driving up the standings or challenging for a playoff spot in all reality. So the Atlantic you, is the damn Superdome now. I know. And so you have to find those victories in exciting spots where you can. And an energy, like, production line of Zadina, Valeno, and whoever else you want. I'll put Advocate on the left wing. I don't really care. Like, yeah, that's absolutely the stuff that's going to be thrilling and exciting both for the team, the fan base. um, And it could energize the players. Like, Zadina's a player who's not going to kickstart himself like that. And that's fine. That's pretty common for wingers. You put him with a very capable center like Valeno, or even you know you make room to put him with Larkin or Philpila. Philpila shows to be productive this year. If if Valeno's up, I think you have to have Zadina. Up. If if Valeno's up though, I don't this year. I don't think it'll be as a center because you're not going to put him fourth line center, and I don't think you're going to pull Nielsen or Philpila off of center. So in theory, if you wanted to go with your idea, the third line can and probably should be Philpila, Zadina, Valeno. Um, I'd be fine. With let that. Phil let Phil Player Nielsen do the heavy lifting. Let the kids accommodate. But both of them making the team does then mean that three of Svechnikov, Hiroshi, Rasmussen, and pick one of the other prospects are all going to the minors. I think Rasmussen needs to be in the A. I don't know how his development's going this off season. I hope he he's having a good season of like rest and recovery and also like fitness. Um but he's just seemed out of his depth and through no fault of his own. You know, we've talked about that funny like twilight zone gray area he's been in. I think he just needs a good season in the A, or at I, least half season. I don't think the season matters for him right now. I think the, the most important part of the year for him is currently happening because his issue is he's a big dude who's not very strong for his size because no. he's been battling wrist injuries and that injury and everything for the last three years when this is the off season now where this kid can just hit the gym and get jacked. He should be eating 10,000 calories a day. He should be lifting everything he lays his eyes on and then go into the camp and see how he goes. Cause I don't know. I honestly don't have an opinion if Rasmussen should be in Grand Rapids or Detroit this year, because 
I don't know what Michael Rasmussen is at this point. I want to see what a fully healthy, fully developed Michael Rasmussen looks like in preseason. Forget camp. I want to see what he looks like in preseason. And then I'll form an opinion on it. And I'm I'm the same way with Joe Valeno because Valeno had a huge camp last year. Like, he completely caught everybody off guard as an 18-year-old and had a fantastic camp, fantastic preseason. So as much as I want to sit here and and not fall into exactly what Evan's saying about cliches, but it's going to depend. He, I, yeah, for me, Valeno's hit every expectation since his draft day. Oh, he's, he's pissed on the line and jumped over yeah. every time. So camp is this year it's going to be interesting there's some guys like rasmussen who've been in the red wings lineup who might not be there next year yeah there's it it could go several ways and it all comes down to how guys show up now the red wings have always preached if you're a young guy in camp come in and take someone's job God, I hate that. (laughs) I Actually, I don't mind it this year because every other year we've looked at the roster and just laughed because we're like, yeah, we're not – you're not taking any of these guys' spots because they're all veterans. You're not taking Vanek's spot. You're not taking – like I said, there's only about nine to ten spots this year that are set in stone. So there is very much open season – on a couple spots. And that's how you come want- in and take that spot, and that's how you want it to be with yeah. the bottom five team in the league. Yeah. yeah. So you're not necessarily trying to take Abdulkader or Helm or Nielsen's job this year. You're very legitimately you're trying to take that spot from Rasmussen or Svechnikov or Hirose, and the same goes for them towards all the other guys. Come in. There's two spots available, three spots maybe. Take them. It's yeah. The, this is a perfect situation where it's going to be a competitive camp, and that's what you want to see from a team that's near the bottom of the league. So if Zadina and Valeno are the two best guys in camp, cool. Give them the spots. If it's Hiroshi and Rasmussen, cool. Give them the spots. I don't care. I do not care who they are. Give them. I just want to see. Them. I want to see progress in any shape or form. I don't care who it is. The nice thing is being a bottom feeder or near the bottom uh, gives them the flexibility to make some executive decisions where if a prospect is close enough uh, to taking someone's job per se, um, but they haven't quite outperformed them, they can say, well, it's not like we need to be winning games right now, so we're going to give them an audition whether or not they've objectively performed better than this veteran in the lineup or not. Have the Red Wings done that? No, they haven't. I was going to say, that doesn't really float with our MO. That's feels like what the Leafs kind of did when they sucked. We also have to consider that this is an audition year for Jeff Blashill. Oh, he's this is basically the worst scenario he could be in as someone who wants to continue his career. Oh, in the terrible team, not so great uh, results over the last four years with a brand new pair of eyes judging you. Yeah, it's... It's it's admittedly, if Jeff Blashill has a, a, a good year and turns it around... I'll be on the Blashill train because everything's against him right now. A lot needs to. I, I I think he doesn't need to do too much to be considered viable in Steve Eisenman's eyes. I don't think coaching is a big rush for him right now. But Blashill does have to prove a lot to to a long term solution. I could see Eisenman rushing this because no, and by rushing this, I don't say he's going to be gone by November if he doesn't perform well. I I maybe next summer, but because Eisenman's going to want the coach, the long-term coach of this team coming up with this team. Much like uh, in 09 when Quenville came into Chicago or, you know, when, uh, who was the coach of the Sutter in LA when they started turning around? You want the team to be very comfortable with their coach as they start getting good. Yeah. Right? So, I, I could see 
there being a timeline on a decision in Eisenman's head? Uh, I'm going to move us along to overtime because I feel like it. Uh, overtime, of course, is brought to you by our Patreon supporters, uh, whose comments get read out on air, guaranteed as our way of saying thank you for supporting the show. Uh, Joe Falzone says, will you be doing any Red Wings prospect rankings this offseason? Uh, any thoughts at top three at all six positions? I asked because Kevin Mackey is playing second line center for Finland at the Summer Showcase, and he's been producing. Uh, yeah, I think that's something that we could do. We'll put it on the list. Uh, Red Wings. Yeah, Red Wings prospect ranking. That'll be late August content. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kwaz says, "What's up, Broskies? I make fun of my dad now when he complains about the weather being hot." Laughs in Mississippi. Uh, the last couple of weeks, up until Thursday or so, most days were 95 plus, 35 degrees Celsius. Ugh. Uh, and then the humidity was generally around 70 Fahrenheit or 20 Celsius. What's? How do you? We measure humidity in percentage. Yeah. Anyways, it's Mississippi, so I don't imagine it's dry. No. Uh, we had a cold front come through, and the highs were only at 85 or 29 Celsius. With the drier air, it felt amazing. Anywho, here's what I have for you. In the spirit of Sportsnet's Steve Dangitz, what's the biggest one you've had as a player? And think of one past or present NHLer who had a really good one. Mine is Yager getting pickpocketed by Datsuk. Oh, who was it that missed the empty net, and then Alex Hemsky went and... Patrick Steffen. Yeah, Patrick Steffen missed the empty yeah. net. And that had the playoff implications. Man, Steve Smith is worse, though. Which one? Steve Smith. Uh, Patrick Steffen did that in a regular season game. Steve Smith banked one off his goalie into his own net in yes, game yes, seven yeah. of a tied game in the Steve third period. Steve Smith. Who did he play for? Oilers. Yeah. I somehow from... know him somehow. How do I know? Let me think. He's like, hey, I remember ba- you. You were in the parking lot earlier. Let me back away from the mic and think. <laughs> All right, Evan's wheels are turning. We don't see this often. Uh, um, I'm not going to remember. Dan Cloutier letting in the goal from uh, Lidstrom's shot from the red line. That's got to be a big yeah, thing that's for up him. There. That won the cup for Detroit. <laughs> Almost, yeah. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury, 04 World Juniors, yes. firing it off Patrick O'Sullivan into his own net. Dominic Hasek, uh leaving the crease to cross-check a St. Louis Blue in overtime and then getting scored on promptly thereafter. The Reddings won the cup that year, so that's fine. Uh, Roberto Luongo throwing his arm in the air to call for a penalty as the puck is sailing past his left foot in for the overtime winner. Patrick Waugh's Statue of Liberty play. Oh, that's the best one. Yeah, I think that's got to be it. That's the best one for uh, us. Marissa says, not going to lie, I gasped out loud when I saw what the topic of this episode is going to be. I feel so appreciated. Thank you, good sirs. Hashtag give Larks the C. It's going to be the topic of the summer, Marissa, until it's done. Uh, and now here's some questions. I stole uh, these from the NHL's Puck Personality videos because I was too lazy to come up with my own. Favorite superhero? Oh, tough, 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 tough. Like, right now? Not all time. Right now, it's Thor. I really like Thor too. Uh, I want to say it's Thor. I love Captain America though. Honorable mention to Deadpool. Honorable mention Deadpool. Evan? No. Never did a superhero. <laughs> TV show you've binged lately? I just finished Stranger Things season three. Yeah, same. We, uh, we watched Dark. On Netflix? Scary show, right? No. No, never mind. It's like Stranger Things, kind of, with like alternate dimensions, but it's way more confusing. Cool. But it's really good. Uh, I didn't understand any of it, but it's really good. (laughs) 
Uh, biggest pet peeve in hockey, when people say offsides instead of offside, it's offside. There's no two schools of thought. It is offside. The players went offside. He was offside. It was a delayed offside, not offsides. I know it's that way in other sports, and I know even some international rules have that in the rule book. In the NHL, you go offside, not offsides. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Uh, mine is if you are playing in a pickup game and there is a bunch of players on the ice and they are very clearly beginners and you are very clearly not a beginner, effing chill when you're near them on the ice. Who cares that you can pull it through their legs or dangle around them or skate a million miles an hour? Don't. Don't be that asshole. It's pickup. Nobody cares. You beer league hero. I just forgot mine. Tinted visors. Oh, I mean, that's, yeah, that's bad. Yeah, did you um, see someone on Twitter was like, uh, <laughs> I know, they felt attacked. Yeah, it's all bad. Um, As you should have. The, no, I'm kidding. If the, the, this one is, like, ob- objectively the biggest pet peeve, is anyone who yells shoot. If you yell <laughs> shoot, please come and talk to me so I can slap you in the face. <laughs> Where are you? I just want to talk. Yeah. We, you, you're on the power play and behind your own net. There's people yelling, "Shoot!" Like, shut the. F- Fur- I'm not allowed to swear anymore. <laughs> just shut up. I mean, it's I, so bad. These like are- on five on threes, I almost just need to go to the washroom and just forget that this is happening because it's so bad. Biggest pet peeve in life. People who people who yell, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> um, driving in general, but. Really, one that's been getting me lately is people who approach an empty roundabout and come to a full stop. It's a yield sign. Drive through, live a little. Conversely, <laughs> or uh, related, people who drive 10 to 20 under the speed limit. Please. Who are you so I can also slap you? Yeah. Let's just get them all in a room together. Uh, when Evan, it's, it's just me now, but when Evan lived in the same part of town that I did, we both had to take this county road that was one lane. Oh, my God. And the speed limit was 80 kilometers an hour. Nobody goes 80 on that. No one goes 80. They all go 60 or 70. Why? One guy started honking his horn who was in front of me because I... I was riding his ass because he was going 60. Please, I just want to go somewhere. Just let me get the. <laughs> let me go to Brad's house. Yeah. Let me go home. I didn't know what Ryan was going to go with, but I absolutely knew it was going to be something with driving. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, my, I'll go on a little more lighthearted one um, because it's, it's one that drives me nuts. It's done with the best intentions. Wealthy people who forget that the rest of the world is poor, even though I'm friends with certain people and I love hanging out with them, know when you offer to take, like, to go to dinner with me and my wife, I am not going to the $150 steakhouse. I have a second child on the way. I have no money. Please take this into consideration and don't make me have to say, yeah, that's great, but McDonald's. <laughs> uh, first CD you owned. Brad, I know you're ancient, so we're talking about CDs, not cassettes. CDs are the flat disc ones. Listen. First CD. Listen. Roller Coaster Tycoon from a cereal box. Oh, those count? Nah, I don't think so. <clears throat> uh, Blink-182, the Mark, Tom, and Travis show. I never really bought... My brother bought a lot of CDs. I remember having the Jagged Edge. <laughs> uh, I remember having, like, the big shiny tunes. Yeah, right, I'm not yeah. counting ones my parents bought for me. Like, that was the first one I went to the store and physically bought for oh, myself. Oh, the first one I bought for myself was Billy Talent 2. Okay. But I never bought CDs. I burned a lot of CDs. Yeah, like, because if we're talking about CDs I own, like, I've got, like, jock jams from, like, 93. Favorite breakfast cereal? Fruity Pebbles. Um, I love Fruity Pebbles. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I like or or Reese, Reese Puffs. I, I eat no cereal, but I like Rice Krispies. Rice Krispies are solid. People sleep on them. Yeah. 
Just, just you know, show his lunch pail type guy. Yeah. Favorite animated movie. Animated movie. Oh. Finding Nemo. Close second to the, oh, I don't know. Into the Spider Verse was really good. Recency bias though. Yeah, it's gotta true. let it settle. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like the old classics I watched as a kid that like oh, I kid. still go back and watch. I think you know what I, I got a soft spot for Lilo and Stitch. Oh, that's a good one. Big fan of that. I think one I saw recently, well, recent like the past like four years was the Lorax. I think that was really good. I never saw the Lorax. It was good. Yeah. I want to. I need to see Toy Story four. Uh, favorite pet? Um, any dog that I meet. <laughs> any dog that I see with my eyes yeah. or on the internet. Yes, yeah. do- a dog that is in my general vicinity. Yeah, my when I moved out of my place in 2011 for for school, um, my parents who really didn't like didn't let us have a pet for like the 17 years of my life. Like they never ever let us have a pet. We begged all the time. Within three months, uh, they or two months, they had a dog. Uh, Cooper. Cooper took my spot in the house, and he runs that house. Um, I love him. He's a little shit. Um, you know, barks to get what he wants. It like it drives me nuts. But I love him. He's like three and a half pounds. Yeah, he's a little a little buddy. Yeah. <clears throat> Who's your favorite pet, Brad? <laughs> <laughs> Any dog that I don't have to live with and smell with. Whichever one is asleep at the time. <laughs> you have a cat, right? Yeah, Fred. No teeth. He has three. Oh, that's good. Yep, had twenty six pulled. It's bad for Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Um, favorite toy when you're a kid. Game Boy. I had two. Oh, I had man. two of the original Game Boys that didn't have a colored screen or a backlit screen. This is hard because like everything I played with when I was a kid was hockey related, and I'm really trying to not like just pick an obvious one here. Uh, the first one that I really remember playing with like religiously that wasn't hockey related was I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember this. That first original Ninja Turtles Lair. Like you actually no. got like the full set with the no yeah, yeah that's before me yeah was this games was... or video games what games was, what was the or favorite toy toy man it was toy plastic yeah. toy I don't know I think uh, I was a big Lego guy too yeah big into Legos I got Bionicles in like when I was like eight or nine I think Lego is super expensive yeah Lego's insanely expensive I was appalled when I went in there oh. 15 years ago <laughs> I was like growing growing up I was like why did I never get Lego kits and when I was older I looked at the price of them I was like oh god yeah ridiculous best dish that you can cook um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's limited but I, I I'm really good at steak um, I'm a big fan of steak but I really think Mel and I re- uh, do a really good pasta it's called pasta aglio e olio it's like oh, a classic yeah it's so good. It's so simple, and the trick is just to use the nicest olive oil you have because there's going to be half a cup in it. See, yeah. See, the the approach I've taken on cooking is I'm not very good at it by not uh, by nature, so I don't have a large repertoire of what I can cook. But I've gotten really, really good at what I do cook. Like something simple way to do it. Like I, I can do a really good steak. Like even something simple like scrambled eggs. Like I've mastered the Gordon Ramsay way. Oh, Gordon Ramsay scrambled eggs are so, so good. So I've absolutely. Yeah. Perfected Anyone who doesn't those, eat them like that is wrong. They're wrong. They just like I'll give you a rubber eraser. To Please, I need you both to tell my wife this. If you a- let your scrambled eggs sit on the hot pan for more than three seconds, I you're illegitimate in my mind. Crystal doesn't. She's like, there's no difference. I'm like, that's because you smother no, them in ketchup. She's wrong. No, she's she's oh, wrong. Ketchup. Oh, she's, this is yeah. why this is why her name is worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. Um. <laughs> 
and you put the creme fraiche in at the end. A hundred percent. Oh, yes. I'm out right now though. So I it's, know it's because you, you one tub costs like seven dollars, and they don't sell it in big tubs. And when I buy it, all I'm eating for that week is scrambled eggs. Yeah. <laughs> um, I cook a lot of things really well. Actually, I enjoy cooking a lot. I did a braised short rib that was really good mm. over cauliflower mash. Really mm. good. Real good. Uh, Don Mitchell says, what's up, boys? I'll assume this was another great episode. Thank you for the great off-season content. You oh, are well, wrong. It's up to you. <laughs> uh, we're all anxiously awaiting some of the bad contracts to come off next season. However, have you noticed that all of the RFAs next season as well? Uh, Mantha, Athanasiu, Bertuzzi, De La Rose, Chevy, Hiroshi, Kasky, Saryarvi, just to name a couple. Woof. The trick is a lot of those guys are going to come cheap. Four of those guys will not. Everybody else will. Yeah. Assuming that not everyone is re-signed, who stays in for what? I personally riot if Mantha is not part of the Red Wings' future. None of the big four, the, none of Mantha, Athanasiu, Bertuzzi are going to be walked. No, they'll all be back. Yeah. Unless there's just some blockbuster trade that goes down. But in which case, if we're trading one of them, we're probably going to be pretty excited about whatever's coming back the other way. So, uh, yeah. And the minor guys. Honestly, don't get too married to them. This no. is still a time of transition. Eisenman is shaping this team into what he wants. Don't be afraid to see people moved. Don't be afraid to see people walked. It's not going to be exactly the team that you see now. You're going to see a lot of revolving door. Yes. Memorabilia question. Who, in y'all's opinion, is, was the worst to have a signed jersey of? Because I probably have it. I'd love to grace y'all's timeline with my poor financial decisions. Cheers, boys. Don. A signed Darian Hatcher jersey would be kind of disappointing. Oh boy! Uh, signed like I, I mean these aren't like Stephen bad Weiss. guys, yeah, but like Weiss or Legwand or Eric Cole, those would be weird jerseys to have. A short time, but not a good time. No, yeah, um, we had a good time with Legwand. We did. Got us into the playoffs. That was a fun run. Who else? Who did that pick end up being? Roman Yossi? No, it was Yarn Croc. Yeah, oh, he just signed it. No, they just moved contract. Yarn Croc for the. Was him. that it? It was. Le- it was. I remember Max on Max's article. It was Yarn Croc and a pick, but the pick seemed to be pretty inconsequential. After seeing Except who Dallas, Ruby hints. yeah. After seeing who Dallas picked with the pick, we gave him an Eric the Eric Cole trade. I'm rattled now. Yeah, yeah that was the worst. That was bad. Uh, P.S. Love the Bon Appetit and Babish mentions last episode. Solid content. Thanks, Don. Hey, let him let him know. I would love a collab. I don't know how we would do it, but I would love to do it. Advanced Water says hello, Dub Dub. When I was in college, I drunkenly bid on a Jimmy Howard signed puck. Completely forgot about it until I got the email I'd won. Four years later, it's still sitting on my desk in one of my favorite positions. What's the favorite thing that you've ever drunk bought? Oh, hmm. <laughs> Anything that's food. Yeah, I was going to say, any fast food at three in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I do a lot of drunk ordering of Uber Eats. I, I don't do a lot, but any Uber Eats I, ordering I do, it's after inebriation. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I, I've never actually drunkenly bought anything off the internet. No, I don't I do not do that. I've never done that. So, um, it, mainly because I don't order a lot off the internet because, again, staying back to the theme of the episode, I am but a poorsman. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, after a rough night at the bar, just going to, like, Morty's and getting, like, four pounds of hot wings. Oh, God, yes. I'm a big fan of that. We're agreeing with Brad a lot this episode. Yeah, that's how you know it's a bad episode. <laughs> Sean Stephen Cook says, Hello, boys. I'm just getting into absorbing a couple hours of hockey content a day, and it seems to be the case that if you want to fill up two hours of content a day, you have to pay attention to the Leafs almost as much as your favorite team. Whether it's Dangle, TSN, or Sportsnet, the content seems to follow that team. Has this always been the case, or is it just an over-the-past-few-years thing? Um, it's always been the case, yep. but especially the past few years when they've been good. It's like, literally hysteria at all times. The internet has exposed what TV has always been doing around here. Yes. Um, 
and unpopular opinion, it's actually better now than it was before because at least they're talking about a decent hockey team now. Yeah. Um, there was only so much talk about Alexei Ponikarovsky and uh, Matt Stajan that we could handle. Yeah. Uh, also, are there any other teams that you basically have to follow in order just to listen to hockey every day? Um, e- unfortunately, yeah. And it's no Chicago. team we're fans of. Chicago, Pittsburgh. Boston. Rangers, Bruins. Yeah. Most uh, of Canada. Look at winter classics in Chicago, and that's all you need to know. Um, Washington, I'll throw in there. For context... The Canadian market's easy to corner because they have the Leafs, and Canadians are generally pretty rabid hockey fans. Ottawa likes to throw just garbage out in the oh, mesosphere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the American market is a lot more difficult. They have a lot more competition. Hockey has a much smaller market share compared to other major sports, and so they really have to lean on the teams that have been successful, which is why you're going to see a lot of repeat Blackhawks Winter Classic until the end of time. Uh, Liz Barbudo says, What do you think has been the best and worst signings? Um, best and worst signings or trades the Wings have made since you've been a fan. For me, the worst signing is Krupp. I'm not sure if anything will ever top that one for me. For the best, it's a tie between the Hashik trade and the Stewart trade. Oh, you know what? I think Hashik is easily atop that list. People sleep on uh, bringing in Brian Rafalski. Rafalski Litstrom. We're still paying for Steven Weiss, so I'm going to throw that one up there. For Abdulkader worst, has to be. Abdulkader's contract is easily the worst. I thought it was trades. Well, signings are trades. Yeah. Uh, um... Best man, there's so many. Anybody that they signed for O2, it got us a cup. Yep. Um, Rafalski's a good one. It's it's trying to find those like under the radar signings that you don't really think of that contributed. <laughs> trying to, I'm trying to think of a few of those. Gatsuk had a holdout that almost led him to being moved um, when he was due for an extension. I think he was asking for like six million. I can't remember what his contract actually came to. They chose to keep him, and that's obviously you know. He's one of the greatest players of his generation, so that ended up being a great move. Fun one that worked out really well that benefited us and also screwed the Leafs. Larry Murphy. Yep, that's a great one. I don't genuinely believe this, but people will not remember the Curtis Joseph experiment fondly. That's That was woof. The team in front of him was awful. Yeah. He played great hockey. Not always, but especially in the playoffs, he showed up. And I feel bad about that one because I always love stealing a good one from the Leafs. Uh, Rowan says, good day, dud duds. Hope you caught the hashtag Kevin Mackey Jesus in the junior showcase. I'm on a tropical island off the coast of Queensland, snorkeling with turtles, etc., with crappy Wi-Fi and limited 4G coverage, and I saw it. Just wanted to slip that in. It's a nice break from our winter. Oh, shut up. Uh, I recall vividly on the last attempt at an episode that y'all want to get uh, outdo your last opening night meetup, and we're going to get more of an international flavor. Now, I'm no lawyer, but I'm pretty sure that constituted a binding verbal contract for you to start a GoFundMe to bring me over for that and the opener. Please set it up and tell your listeners where they can donate. Together, we can do this. I also bring the bonus of dual citizenship. Such mystery. Wait, what other country are you a citizen of? It's going to be something obscure. <laughs> Rowan, what other country are you a citizen of? It better not be... I it's, don't it's, know. it's Laos. Yeah, you could see that for sure. <laughs> um, Jersey time. You've all made the Red Wings. What number are you taking, and would you prefer your first game in red or white? Assume it's a home- sixty-nine. Assume it's a home game, and the old home whites are an option. Uh, the number is not retired, and so I'll take it. So fourteen. I was gonna say because um, running through the numbers I pick, I would not. My top four choices will would be unavailable to me because I've been wearing nineteen for like fifteen years. Uh, then my next go to is ninety-one. 
Uh, I because I'm actually in process of having this thought because I've I've have to pick my number for this upcoming season on a team I'm playing for. So my list that I've come in order is 19 because obvious reasons, 91 because obvious reasons, 16 because Vladdy and also the year my daughter was born, nine obvious reasons. So if I'm a Red Wing, my top four choices are all gone. My next two choices after that were 72 and 71. Can't take those. Can't take 69 either. Evan just took it. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I'm fun. down to like, just give me whatever number. I don't give a shit. Uh, 21. RIP Tatar. I, I want to start in red. I'm definitely starting in red. Another post proudly brought to you by my online and probable podcast sponsor, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags. Need to keep your C fresh? Stay Fresh Cheese Bags are multi-purpose and will keep that C minty fresh for when you need to announce your new captain. Hashtag give helm the C. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Joseph Fournier says, Are you perplexed at your GM trading for a fourth-round pick at the cost of your backup goalie and the rest of your team's LTIR space? Hide your confusion in a stay-fresh cheese bag. Who knows what his reason was? Product not guaranteed to help you find any answers whatsoever. It was actually a good move, but I appreciate the commitment to the bit. Kevin Mackey is looking good at the World Junior show- Summer Showcase. His play and assist on that Erholtz goal was nice to see, hoping he gets in the winged wheel someday. Won't happen anytime soon, but what do you think of the future potential of a Zadina Valeno Rasmussen line? I thought Z and Ras start to click in what little time they played together, mostly in scrimmages. If Rasmussen pans out, I love that line in terms of like what they would bring. You have everything you would want. You have the speedy defensive playmaker in Valeno. You have the trigger man in Zadina, and you have the guy in Rasmussen who should be tipping and collecting all the garbage in front of the net. That would be a line that is not like not to the same caliber, but the same chemistry and breakdown as a Zetterberg, Datsuk, Holmstrom. Holmstrom. That's exactly my thoughts. That is pie in the sky. Yeah, that, they will not be that good. So if you have a god, start praying. Uh, ugh, Toronto, first Nylander, now Marner. I don't doubt Dubas will get him signed, but at what cost? And how the hell is Jake Gardner not signed somewhere else yet? I don't know. I think man. Gardner's holding out for, like, a few teams. I think he's got something specific in his mind, and those teams just can't make it happen, or won't make it happen, so... Premature lineup projections are starting to pop up, and with all the due respect to other Red Wing or other fan-made Red Wings media, they are mostly wishful thinking. So, thanks for your continued integrity, common sense, and making sure you get it right. Stay fresh, my friends. Much appreciated, Joseph, and thank you for your stay fresh cheese bags. Uh, we have time for some Reddit and Twitter questions. Henry Fitz thirty three says, "Hey guys, I'm sure you know that Elias Patterson won the Calder Trophy, but there seems to be a curse associated with it. No previous winner has ever won the rookie." of the year twice. Just wanted to get your thoughts on what Pedersen needs to do to break the curse. I don't know. I don't think he'll do it this year. I don't think he has it in him. I, I think the he just doesn't have that gut check, make or break, you know, prime time characteristic in him. So what he really needs to do is uh, travel back in time, meet with Doctor Strange, acquire the time stone, and then there's a chance. Uh, Yarvik7 says with nothing going on this offseason I don't know what you guys will find to talk about yeah good question uh, maybe start a rumor of a trade Abby Erickson and a second for Wierenski oh it's a done deal <laughs> uh, but seriously how hot has it been for you guys this summer and what are you doing to keep cool too hot way too hot not leaving the house uh, our place doesn't have like essential air which drives me insane that's brutal we have a standing unit with a hose that attaches to a window it is roughly 17,000 decibels but it needs to be running pretty much 18 hours a day to keep us cool. And yet you complain about coming to my house. I complain about coming to your house because you're here. <laughs> I love, I'm love. i coming here in shorts to cool my body down a little bit. 
Also, driving here, my ar- my car can be air conditioned, which is also a big bonus. It has been exceptionally hot. Climate change is destroying this earth. Um, Wingnut O O five five says, "I agree that we should stick with a hard cap, but should we have veterans exception that is excluded from the cap, say for a million dollars?" I really don't see the benefit of something like that, other than like exploiting it. I think there's things we can do to help the current system in terms of rewarding players without destroying the hard cap, which I think is necessary for this league circumstantially where they're in to survive. I'm in favor of shortening RFA status, like how long that lasts, and maybe, yeah, like sliding that all up, and so guys get paid sooner, but then teams are also paying for more prime years rather than, you know, Nielsen at age 30. What about, so in the MLS, they have it where they have... Uh, designated players and they don't count against your salary cap but your salary cap is substantially lower so I have a fun idea that I was thinking of while you were talking every year you're allowed one exception any you anybody can qualify for it rookie veteran whatever they will not count against your cap for one year but the contract has to be signed that summer and it's only not against the cap for one year. So if you sign an eight-year contract, the final seven are on the cap. So if you wanted to bring back, like, in San Jose's circumstance right now, and they're up against the cap, but they obviously want to keep a Joe Thornton, they could sign him to a one-year $10 million contract, but he doesn't count against the cap. So it's a, the NHLPA's way of rewarding older players who still want to kick around, but also will prevent teams from circumventing by getting an Artemi Panarin cap-free. Uh, it's time for some Twitter questions. Izerbaz says, does the opening night roster come from the current pool of players, or are there, st- are there still some to come and go? Uh, I don't think you'll see too much turnover. For Detroit, yeah, it's it's the current pool. Nobody else is coming. Unless a blockbuster trade comes through, which I think could happen to any team at any point, but I wouldn't exactly call it likely. Iserman's not going to do that before he sees what he has. Uh, Corey Fitzgerald asks, how many provinces have you guys been to, and what would be your dream Canadian city to live in? Uh, I've been to Ontario, Quebec, and Newfoundland. I've only been to Ontario and Quebec, actually. I'm kind of a bad Canadian. Uh, I've done Quebec, Ontario, Alberta, and soon BC. Dream city to live in? I mean, I love living in Waterloo now. I think Vancouver would be sweet if I ever am 17 times more wealthy than I am now and can afford to live there. Um, I've heard... Yeah, I don't know. I love Waterloo, so if it's not Ontario, I think Vancouver would be the only one that would be pumped for. I hate only- <laughs> I hate big cities, so I'm not picking any of the big cities. I mean, Victoria would be a good option, or like... Yeah, it's also got to be logistically good, because like, the I, the Canadian me wants to just say Banff, but I can't imagine living there year-round Ooh, that's would be expensive. easy. <laughs> yeah. Also, Some I like, place like Kelowna would be all right because you've got a yeah. national airport. I, yeah, like, yeah, I like being near stuff. I like that we can get to the States super quickly. I like that we're close to YYZ so we can fly out of Toronto to wherever we want. One I think of the most expensive airports in the oh, world. Oh, it drives me <clears throat> nuts. The runway fees are... Ugh. Hey, Anyways. try flying out of Breslau's airport. Yeah, they have like one security guard. Breslau has an airport? Yeah. Dude, can... it's literally five minutes from here. You yeah. could walk there. I... Yeah, they do flights out to Kelowna, actually. <laughs> like, actually, it's an international airport. You could go to the States. They only fly, actually, to Kitchener. <laughs> I flew to Miami way back in the day. Miami! From uh, from Breslau. It was great. How much was that? I have no idea. Oh, the, paid. the, like, okay, so a flight out of Pearson to go to Toronto to Montreal is, like, 200 bucks. To go from Breslau to Montreal is, like, almost 1000 Why? Because there's, like, four people on the flight. 
if you fly out west, you can sometimes find deals. Like my buddy flew from Calgary for like six hundred bucks. Not great, but round. no. Nobody in Brazil even has six hundred dollars. <laughs> that's true. Can confirm. Yeah, like that's oh. Anyways, oh, uh, in case you guys were wondering, air travel in Canada is bonkers. It's literally the sole reason we weren't in the draft at Vancouver this year. Yeah, it was like it would have been a two thousand dollar trip. Counting hotels we would and food, we would have been close to $3,000 for the three of us. Yeah. For four days. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that to was... To be in our own country. <laughs> it, yeah. it would have been cheaper had the... Like, almost by half, it would have been cheaper had the drop-in in Vegas. With that, we're going to wrap up this off-season episode. Thank you all for tuning in and bearing with us. Uh, during the off-season, we take a lot of suggestions for uh, what kind of content to we're put We're desperate out. here, folks. <laughs> uh, patrons, stay tuned. We're finalizing our topics for our Patreon-exclusive episodes, which are coming to your way pretty soon. We'll let you know when we have dates. Uh, in the meantime, uh, announcement to come soon. Nice. Damn it. Uh, you made it through the whole episode without anything. Damn it. Um, about the meetup in October. But like we mentioned, October 6th, home opener meetup, Founders Brewing. We're going to be starting at 1 p.m. Meet us there. It's going to be a lot of great stuff. Uh, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters, our name level sponsors Sky Carcass, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Don Mitchell, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Sean Levine, Kaylin Wood, Charlie Elkins, John Evans, Rob Thiel, Stan Olson, Ryan Alant, Ryan Lewis, and Hannah Lee. We love you all. Guys, enjoy your summer. Stay cool, and we will stay fresh, cheese bags. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at wingedwheelpod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.